there are fluctuations mm -hmm. that we go through in life and different traumatic experiences and the stuff to figure out. And at the core, we're always whole, authentic and magnificent and that's unchanging. And we're just here to have this beautiful, messy and magnificent experience together. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Bain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Why, hello there, it's your gal Carly. You know that feeling when you're minding your own business and the exact thing you needed to hear pops up. Maybe you're like me and you're doing like the social scroll and you see a post that just speaks right to you or you were just talking about something like that. Well, this is what happened for me back in January. So I was taking a workshop with Kate Northrup and she mentioned the work that Dr. Valerie Rain, a psychologist, has been doing with women to help them break through the invisible barriers that cause us to limit ourselves. And I had to like stop the presses moment because <laughs> she was talking about the ways that being raised in a patriarchy have created limiting factors for all of us, really regardless of our gender, but specifically for women. And it was exactly what I had been noticing within my practice. So I reached out to Dr. Valerie Rain and she agreed to come sit in on this episode with us. Now, just a little background about her. Dr. Valerie discovered patriarchy stress disorder and created the only science-backed system for helping women achieve their ultimate success, happiness and fulfillment. She is all about healing this collectively, this inherited trauma of oppression. So her best-selling book, Patriarchy Stress Disorder, The Invisible Barrier to Women's Happiness and Fulfillment, has been a game changer for me and for all of the clients I have brought it through. It's really led to some groundbreaking programs and it's helped thousands of women find freedom and reclaim their authentic selves and also, she's just a really good person. <laughs> so you're about to hear one of the things I really appreciate about Dr. Valerie is in this episode, you know, she's got the science, she's got the research, she makes it really doable to understand the limiting things that operate within us that holds us back. So if you ever find your own mental critic to be really harsh, or maybe your body's having perplexing health symptoms right when things are about to get good or you finally get a day to yourself or a vacation. Or maybe, like a lot of the people that end up hiring me, you have a life that looks great on paper, but you're not completely fulfilled and you're not sure exactly why. Or maybe you find yourself putting up with people and responsibilities that are draining you and you know better, but it's still nearly impossible to separate yourself from it any of that is relatable, you need to know this. It's not because you're doing something wrong. This might be an issue related to PSD, the patriarchy stress disorder, and this episode is for you. Now, of course, how as always goes in here, maybe you're, you can relate to what somebody put up on, on iTunes recently, a review. Tara Noel17 said, perfect timing. 
I am living an and life, meaning I am so grateful that you pointed this out, Carly. My parents are approaching the end of their lives. It's stressful, heartbreaking, and caring for them takes all of my spare time, and we laugh a lot. Memories of the time when we're spending together will sustain me when they are gone. And my massage practice is doing really well, making time management challenging. But who doesn't want that kind of challenge? So really, it's an and, and, and kind of life. A new frame through which to view all of the challenges has really changed my perspective. Mm. Tara Noel, thank you so much for your feedback and for being in this conversation and for all of you who are leaving reviews on iTunes or wherever you listen in. Thank you. Please keep them coming. I want to give you a shout out. I also want to point out something really interesting that Tara Noel mentioned. She said, time management is really challenging. We have been taught <laughs> that we need to learn to manage our time better and that that's the problem. That the problem is that we just haven't learned the skill. We haven't figured out how to squeeze enough into our day. And Dr. Valerie Rain is going to flip that belief on its head for you. So if time management or wishing that you had more space to breathe is cropping up in your life, you are not alone and wait till you hear what she has to say about that. So expect to walk away from this episode with an entirely new understanding about what might be going on for you and a path forward that allows you to live into what your heart really desires. Hey, it's Carly, and I'm going to take a beat right here before we even begin this episode to acknowledge the fact that you're here. In this conversation with me during such unprecedented times, I know you are being asked to rise to the occasion, to handle sudden changes and somehow still find a way onward, even in so much uncertainty. And my motto has always been this, to rise, we must root. In other words, it takes some nourishment and community on a regular day to navigate growth, so it might take a little extra right now. So I am so glad that you are rooting here with me today. And I also just want to point out that if doing some self-care or having a plan for your life and career was challenging enough before, my goodness, it might take some ninja level skills to get what you need right now. So reach out to me. Go to carlyfane.com, click the start here button and apply for a one-time phone session. And if I know I can help you, I will. Or if there's some other free resource or another practitioner that I can refer you to right now, you better believe I'm going to point you in the right direction. We are in this together. I am holding you in my heart and my mind. Let me know what you need. I've got your back. Dr. Valerie, thank you so much for being here with us today. I cannot tell you how excited. I didn't even get a full night's sleep last night. I was just too excited, like looking forward <laughs> to talking with you. So, And I'm normally a good sleeper, so that speaks volumes. We're really happy you're here. Thank you. So the energy is high. Thank you so much, Carly. I am honored and it is my pleasure to be here. And thank you, everyone who's sharing your time with us today. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, I love I love that you start like that. What a generosity and inclusiveness. And that is a lot of what your work is about. And we're going to we're going to get into that. 
So here's one of the many reasons I am so delighted to have you here in this conversation is, you know, something I've been witnessing behind the scenes in my own coaching practice for the last 13 years, and frankly, before then, even before I was coaching, is that I work with all these driven folks, and these days, I'd say about 80% of my practice is women, and one of the frameworks by which you know, I help women reclaim their time and energy is we look at our work and our life through the lens of being one whole experience, meaning mm-hmm. that as much as it sounds nice on paper, that there could be like a work us and a home us and a friend us and a spouse us and a you know sister mm-hmm. us or nanny mm-hmm. us or whatever, right? that this fragmented view, it really kind of splits our energy. So when we start to talk about who they are as a whole being and what they value on a core level, I don't have the stats in my practice, but I would say, you know, off the cuff, 90% of the, the people that I work with, they have a personal struggle or trauma that rises to the surface. Mm. And a lot of coaching is about mindset and mindset is important. But I get a lot of questions from these really high achieving women or women who are really driven about, Carly, I just feel like I don't have enough willpower. Why don't I have the willpower? Why don't I have the courage to do this thing I want to do? Or why can't I stick with these boundaries? I want to have better boundaries. I technically know how, but I'm getting stuck. And there's this part of me that's been saying, okay, this is not just mindset. There is something Mm -hmm. else that needs to be heard. So when I got your book, patriarchy stress disorder. Literally, I started it again. This is becoming a theme I'm noticing. I started it before bed and I'm like jumping up and down on my bed. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yes. Dr. Valerie is talking about what I have been experiencing, Mm. um, both personally for myself and my own trauma, but also within my practice. And you have done it in such an inclusive and generous way. You made talking about trauma approachable. And so I am just delighted, delighted to have you here. So for those who might have never heard of patriarchy stress disorder, can we take it from the top? What does that mean? Thank you for for this generous lead in. And I have so many thoughts and reactions to what you have just shared. Uh, And I'm already excited feeling that we're so on the (laughs) same page about these things. Patriarchy stress disorder or PSD is our collective inherited trauma of oppression that lives in our subconscious, lives in our bodies, and it serves, it functions as the invisible inner barrier to women's ultimate success, happiness, and fulfillment. Unbeknownst to us, where does it come from? Why is it there? Well, there is research that shows that trauma is transmitted genetically. There is this elegant study that they did, elegant from the point of view of science, not so much from the animal rights point of view, of course, unfortunately. Uh, They introduced the smell of cherry blossoms to mice while simultaneously zapping their feet with mild electric shocks. The mice were then bred and their children and their grandchildren when exposed to the smell of cherry blossoms, showed a strong fear and anxiety reaction. Mm. Neuroscientists saw that this traumatic experience had been genetically transmitted. So let that sink in for a moment. PSD for women is fearing the smell of cherry blossoms. 
what is the smell of cherry blossoms for us in this day and age for ambitious, driven, high achieving women is our own power. For millennia of patriarchy, a woman's power has been a punishable offense. Quite directly, women who reached for the cherry blossoms of owning our own body that was not allowed, loving who we love, having our own money was not on the menu, making decisions for ourselves, etc. These women historically have been punished, burned at the stake, drowned, decapitated, locked up in asylums. And now we have the opportunity. We're the first generation of women who has the unprecedented opportunity to own our businesses and to advance in male-dominated fields in our careers. That wasn't on the menu before, but with that, it's very important to understand that this genetic trauma is alive and well in us. And just like those poor mice, we're constantly in a state of fear and anxiety, unbeknownst to us, because it actually feels normal. But what it leads to, it leads to burnout. It leads to a loss of, of pleasure, satisfaction in our lives. There are so many high-achieving women. And I come from the background of being a psychotherapist for many years. All of them, or most of them, right, are on some kind of anti-anxiety or antidepressant medication or self-medicating with wine or shopping or obsessive exercise. We have to because something has to take the edge off. And recognizing that it's not us, it's not our failing, it's not our fault, it's not our personality flaws, it's a natural reaction of the nervous system to us playing big in the world where it's never been safe even to be a woman, let alone yeah. to be a visible, powerful woman. So that's, that's the discovery of PSD and that's why it's so important to recognize it so that we can let ourselves off the hook of feeling like a failure with self-care and meditation and yoga, because those things actually don't feel safe to our nervous system. Okay, this is huge. <laughs> this is so huge for so many reasons. So just last week, I was doing a private session with a woman who at the end of the session specifically said, please share my story on your podcast if it's relevant. Oh. And she was a dancer. Her whole life growing up, she was a dancer, Dr. Valerie, and she was, and now she is the single mom of a child with some special needs, and she has been through a lot of trauma in, in relation to that childbirth and a custody battle that was pretty wild. Mm -hmm. And she was talking with me about how she, she has a job that's okay on paper. It's fine. She's actually a mental health practitioner, mm -hmm. but she's wanted to start her own business for so long, and she can't, she just can't seem to get herself to do it. And so we're talking about how she spends her time and she brought up the sadness that she has that she can't dance. She said, I've set a goal for myself. I know that I feel better when I dance, even if it's just in my living room, like nothing mm -hmm. formal, nothing fancy. Carly, I cannot get myself to dance for one minute. So what you're telling me reminds me of dear Emma and Emma, if you're listening, thank you all the way in Australia for, for permission to share this part of your story. But what you're talking about is what she's experiencing because then she's wondering, well, what's wrong with me? Yeah. I can follow through on things. I've done all mm -hmm. these big things. Why can't I dance for one minute? Like what's going on? And she knows that it's going to unlock something, right? Yeah. So I'm so curious to hear from you, Dr. Valerie, what are some of the signs and symptoms, right? Because you're, you're so right. This has become our normal. Mm -hmm. We don't know any other way. So how is this PSD showing up? What might we keep an eye out for? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you, Emma, and thank you, Carly, for sharing this story. This is, I mean, I don't know a woman for whom it wouldn't be applicable, right? How much mm-hmm. do we struggle to even take that god darn bubble bath, right? <laughs> like we know we need to take care of ourselves. We know everything that we need to do, but why is this an uphill battle? And in addition to, yeah, so I, I'm just going to talk to a couple of things before answering your question. I think mm-hmm. this will be helpful. And this actually begins to answer the question because these are the symptoms of PSD. There we go. So historically, a woman's pleasure, just like a woman's power, has been forbidden. Mm. Forbidden. Completely forbidden. A woman is not born for pleasure. Are you kidding me? A woman is born to serve and sacrifice. And Mm. that programming is so insidious and it's so, it shows up in so, so many ways. So, big breath here. (laughs) When, so when we approach things that genuinely give us pleasure or, or put us in touch with our power, which by the way, for women, pleasure and power are completely intertwined. We cannot be in our power if we're not in our pleasure. Yeah. Because we're not in our presence. We're not in our body. Right. And that makes us vulnerable. Mm. Our system signals it's unsafe, unsafe, unsafe. Subconsciously, of course, we're not right. thinking of oh, taking a bubble bath or dancing will make me feel unsafe but subconsciously, and that vulnerability is protected by trauma defenses. Brene Brown, who is, of course, is the queen of vulnerability conversation, Mm -hmm. she talks about trauma, the the biggest loss to trauma, or the biggest thing that trauma robs us of is vulnerability. (sighs) And as we're processing this, I also want to sneak in a definition of trauma so we understand what we're talking about because it may conjure up images of combat or domestic violence or something uh, other life-threatening. Trauma is actually any experience that made you feel unsafe physically or emotionally, unsafe in your fullest authentic expression and led to creating trauma adaptations. Uh, Those things that show up in our mind, in our bodies, and in our actions to keep us safe. And that is actually how PSD manifests. I use the metaphor in my book, I use the metaphor of the invisible in the prison when talking about PSD, because it is invisible and it does imprison us. We reach for our desires, be it the desire to dance or the desire to put our mission and message out there in a bigger way. And it's like we're running into invisible in the walls. Like we know we know how to do it. We know we have something to say. And then we're confused by why is there self-sabotage? Why are we holding back? So the invisible in the prison of PSD has prison guards. Prison guards are those trauma defenses, remember? The things that keep us safe. And these show up as symptoms. These show up as thoughts of who would want to listen to me? Who do you think you are? This will never work, or I'll do it later, or any flavor of the inner critic looking in the mirror and always feeling like, ah, look at these wrinkles, look at this fat, nothing looks good. That's not you, that's PSD. 
the inner Okay, critic. that's a game changer right there. <laughs> I've got to, I don't want to interrupt you because everything yes. you say is so rich and meaningful. But like, we've got to pause on what you just said, because that's huge. So this acknowledgement <laughs> that this inner voice that we can all relate to, that we all hear, you know, looks in the mirror and yeah. looks at our belly and says, oh gosh, you need to do more sit-ups or who are you to ask mm. for this raise? Or who do I think I am to leave this relationship not knowing, you know, what'll happen next or whatever that yeah. voice is. And what, what if I, I don't hear- deserve anything better? What if there's nobody yeah. here for me? Right. What if um, I'm not what, all that? Right. What if they don't love me back? Mm. Right. What, yeah. So, and so you're, what I hear you saying, and let me tell me if I'm hearing this mm-hmm. correctly is this reminds me of Michael um, Singer in his book, The Unth- Untethered Soul, when he talks about, you know, we are not our thoughts. We're the Mm -hmm. one hearing them. Mm -hmm. And so when you say this inner critic is not you, (laughs) like (laughs) you're the one hearing it, right? (laughs) That this critic is might not even have originated within us. Yes. That it's, that it's been passed along, that it's something that we picked up genetically and that we're carrying it unbeknownst to ourselves. Yeah. We picked it up and we imprinted it from our mothers looking in the mirror and hating on themselves. Mm -hmm. Even if they didn't say anything, we picked it up. I, I, I remember my mother never liking herself, ever, not for a moment, not mm. for a moment. And that is so tragic and that is so hard and it is so unfair. And we all carry this wound. It, it's big. And I grew up in the Soviet Union behind the Iron Curtain. The reason I'm bringing this up is because we had no Western influence whatsoever, zero Iron Curtain. Right, right. And yet I received the exact same messages and my, as my clients who grew up in Australia, in Canada, in England, in the United States, in France. I kid you not. It is, it is so pervasive. And if this is not evidence that this trauma is collective, truly collective, I don't know what is collective and generational. So I hope as we're unpacking this, and I want to circle back for a moment to the symptoms, our listeners are beginning to understand, okay, maybe there is nothing wrong with me. Maybe it is PSD. In addition to how it shows up in the mind with the inner critic, the imposter syndrome is a big one, or the so-called upper limit problem that Gay Hendricks coined. Yeah. Same, same. Why do we have the upper limit problem? Because it's unsafe to play big and our system sabotages us. And yeah, like you said, the mindset is important, but it can only go so far if our nervous system is still signaling unsafe, unsafe, unsafe. So it shows up in the body as well. It shows up Oh, quite tragically right now, actually, there is so much autoimmune disease among high-achieving women. Yes, yes. I can't believe you're saying that. That is something I have been watching. I've been watching the amount of autoimmune disease was like within my practice, just as a side, just like making notes, like, okay, this is showing up a lot. What an interesting condition, right? Mm. One that, that limits us. It's fascinating from the inside out, right? It limits right. us from the inside out. What um, can stop us, right? From, from the point of view of the invisible in the prison, anything, whatever it takes to stop us from following our desires, because that's perceived by the subconscious as unsafe. And so what more effective way to stop us than creating a health condition, right? If we don't deal with it effectively in other ways. So, and of course there are other factors. I don't want it to sound like, oh, there's this only one thing. There are other things. Right. Of course. As well. There's the environment. There's a lot. 
But we can't deny the fact that we, we're all living in the same environment, women, men, people across the gender spectrum. And autoimmune affects women at the rate, the number of cases are 75 to 90% of women. For example, in the case of lupus, 90% of cases are women versus men. And then there are other stress-related conditions. And on a milder kind of end of the spectrum, the body shows through tension, aches and pains, headaches, backaches, and um, anxious energy running, the energy running high or depressive energy energy running low and kind of feeling lethargic and apathetic. These are all prison guards. Mm. Yes, it's important to address conditions also from the medical standpoint. Very, very important. And don't overlook what is actually going on in your life and what is this protecting you from? This is deeper. And if there is willingness to look, that willingness is rewarded. I, I see amazing shifts in women who are, who are looking deeper into the causes of, well, into the root cause of PSD in how they feel physically. And will you, mm-hmm. will you speak to that for a moment? Because I love what you just said, like willingness to look brings with it um, mm-hmm. gifts, right? So something yeah. happens. So, so what are you noticing? Half, so what happens? And, and I'm going to rewind here for a second because uh-huh. I love, I'm a visual thinker and, and uh-huh. part of, you, you are so great with visual metaphor in the book. And so the prison metaphor, right? And I think about, I forget, there was some spiritual teacher, you know, centuries ago who, there's a story that goes that, you know, he would sit with his disciples and he asked them the question, okay, let's imagine that you're locked in jail. What's the first thing you're going to do to break out of jail? And you in the book talk about having a jail break, like it's time, right? To get mm-hmm. past these prison guards. And so, you know, the disciples would answer. They would say things like, ooh, you know, I would, I would find a piece of metal and I would whittle it down and fashion a key. Or somebody else would say, I would dig a tunnel out of my cell, you know? Mm-hmm. And they were all good answers. And the, but the teacher would say, well, you know, the first thing we have to do is we have to realize that we're in the prison. Yeah. Right? Like we can't free ourselves from a prison if we don't realize that we're in there. And so you talk about that in the book, this, this invisible, you know, prison that Mm -hmm. we're within. So how might somebody know if they're in that invisible prison? How Mm -hmm. might they know that this is showing up for them? Yeah, brilliant. And yes, realizing that we're in prison is the first step. And realizing that we're in prison doesn't set us free. Just want to make it clear. Uh, okay, that it, sounds important. Realizing that we're in prison doesn't set us free. Yeah, because there's some false closure that I'm noticing with women who have read the book and they're like, and they become allies, they become champions of spreading this message. And it's wonderful. I just want to make it clear that, yes, we need to spread the message, but we also need to heal. Just mm-hmm. talking about it doesn't heal us. So... This is a note for uh, future reference, but how do we recognize that we're in prison in the first place? By noticing the symptoms that uh, I already talked about, and there are more symptoms in, in the area of action or choices. So there is this fascinating discovery that neuroscience made <laughs> is that our actions are decided in our subconscious. Our actions are decided in our subconscious. So this is mind-blowing in a very direct sense. (laughs) What we think doesn't matter as much as we think it does. 
Because our subconscious decides if we're going to pursue this opportunity or not, if we're going to allow ourselves to fall in love or not, if we're going to accept the signs of affection and uh, acknowledgement, acceptance from others through praise and also through money receiving money in exchange for our gifts and accept that uh, we, we carry beautiful contributions into the world and allow us to unfurl those gifts fully. So this is the reality that we create. Sometimes we mistake it for, oh, these are just the circumstances. This is just my life. This is just how it is. Just like with stress, it feels normal to us when we're under-receiving, we're undernourished, we're under-earning, we're under-expressing ourselves. We don't feel authentic. We feel disconnected from ourselves, feel disconnected from our partners, or have trouble finding a partner who is our equal emotionally and in terms of values and other things. So these circumstances are not just random circumstances. This is a direct reflection of what our subconscious reads as a comfortable and okay and fitting environment for us. If our subconscious perceives our power and pleasure as a threat, Guess what? <laughs> we Guess don't get what? to be powerful or have pleasure, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, and and we might never be conscious of it. Like, this is all going on yeah. behind the scenes, right? Back in, in in a part of the brain and the yeah. nervous system, right, where they're having this conversation for us. Exactly. Unbeknownst to us, all we know is the circumstances that show up. I have a few stories in the book, but this really illustrates the story of Jessica. Really illustrates how this reality is created from the wound of, I call it the wound of worthlessness in our subconscious. Because mm. a woman's body, a woman's mind, a woman's life is worthless. And the patriarchy has always been than, than a man's. And of course, we don't go around thinking this way. Right. But our subconscious creates reality for us that reflects that. So in the case of Jessica, what uh, she, she came to work with me with a list, a high achieving woman in her 30s had a list Number one, meet my partner. And <laughs> she was dating men, one heartbreak after another. And the pattern that was very obvious was that after each heartbreak, she would lower the bar. Because the mind's conclusion was, if I couldn't make it work with this guy who's already not at the level of, of ambition that I'm at, doesn't take good care of his body, uh, his values are not aligned with mine. Maybe I should lower the bar even more and next time date somebody who lives with his parents. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. So, and of course it wasn't working out. And, and the truth was that she needed to raise the bar way up, but her subconscious wouldn't allow it because her subconscious perception of her worth was stemming from that wound of worthlessness. As we uncovered it, we made the invisible visible. We made the invisible prison visible so she could break out of it. She was able to attract an amazing person into her life who was her equal, who saw her for the amazing being that she was. And then what did her system do? Try to sabotage it every step of the way. <laughs> and right. thankfully, we continued to work together, uncovering deeper layers of trauma, both from the family and from the culture and ancestral. And finally, she was able to allow it. They were able to move in together, get married and form a beautiful partnership. 
at work, the same thing was happening for her. She mm-hmm. was so undervalued, underpaid, overworked. Management didn't recognize her gifts. She would sh- help her coworkers on projects and she was never acknowledged, never reciprocated. So as she was healing, she was also able to... and. Back at the time, by the way, her mind was saying, oh, no, 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 you can't leave this job. This is the best job. This is the best job. They treat you well. Like, who's going to treat you better, right? Yeah. You don't deserve any better. She was able to leave that job, find a much better paying position and a career track with a lot of appreciation, flexible schedule that allows her to work from anywhere in the world, by the way. So... Amazing things happen when we heal what is actually driving the bus. That fear, that underlying fear of pleasure, success, and, and power that is dictating that we're either, we maybe are going for those things, but the nervous system keeps us in the fight, flight, and we, we're just exhausted, right? It's an uphill battle. Or right. sometimes we, we can't even go for those things because we're in freeze. And just uh, like uh, Emma was sharing about dancing, she can't bring herself to dance. Mm-hmm. And that's true for every woman in some area of our life. And again, it's not us. It's the nervous system that perceives the danger and goes into freeze. Okay. This is one of the things I think you're starting to touch on it here that I really appreciate your book. And I've got a long list of things that I appreciate. (laughs) um, Is that you don't just explain the problem. So you don't just explain that PSD exists and then kind of walk away. You also give some really practical exercises and tools to begin to address it and to use your words to heal, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the source of, of where this trauma is originating. So we're not putting Band-Aids on things. Yeah. We're not numbing out and we're not, you know, doing this inner critic voice and we're not self-sabotaging. We're actually like going right, right to the heart of it. So I'm curious, where does somebody begin? And, and the obvious answer is get your book, right? I'll say it. I'm going to say it because I know you're, you're humble. So get, get her book. Where does a person even begin? So let's say somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, oh my gosh, I can relate to that. That just, mm-hmm. that is relatable. I can see that in my world. Where do they start to address mm-hmm. PSD? Yeah, I used to answer this question with offering the tools. Yeah, there are tools in the book. There are tools on my website. There are a lot of free tools you can download. You can also step into my programs where I actually lead you into healing. And the reason this is necessary, the guidance, external guidance is necessary and support of your fellow journeys is necessary is because this is a very countercultural move. We cannot go it alone. It's not a do-it-yourself project. Yes, we can use the tools and experience some immediate shifts, but the tools that I share in the book, they actually don't heal trauma. We need another person. We need another nervous system. And sometimes we need a collective also to heal collective Mm -hmm. trauma. So just to make it very clear, the book informs, it doesn't transform. So that's how I used to answer the question. Now I've also recognized something that's actually very clear looking through the lens of PSD is that for most listeners, we're going to finish the conversation and they're just going to go back to their lives and never think about it again. Mm-hmm. The reason being right. prison guards. <laughs> the yeah. reason being prison guards will create a fog of forgetfulness. They will create distractions. They will create thoughts like, oh, that's not a priority. 
Mm-hmm. I'll get to that later. I've got other things I need to do. I need to get the groceries or I need to get this project done. Right, right. Yep. Recognize that these are the same exact prison guards. So see, we're already learning to work with that a little bit together, right? Recognizing we're in prison, recognizing prison guards. Recognize even now as you're listening, the prison guards may be active. Like, oh, you know, I, I've done self-help before. I have been to therapy. I've worked through my trauma. Look at your life. Is, are you living the life designed by your desires a hundred percent? You know, and if it's, and if it's not, it's not your fault. It truly is not. It's not your failing. I know you've done a lot of work. Dare I say this message would not even resonate at all. You wouldn't be listening to this right now if you hadn't already done a lot of self-help, uh, self-personal growth work. Right, right. It takes a level of maturity in terms of personal growth to recognize what we're talking about as valuable as the missing piece in terms of identifying the trauma in the nervous system and making it safe for you to actually experience the ROI on everything that you have already done, all the tools that you have already learned, right? So this is, this is what I want to really communicate right now to our listeners. Thank you for listening. This is amazing. Use this as an opportunity to meet your prison guards and just say hi to them. Say hi mm-hmm. to them and say thank you. Thank you for keeping me safe. Don't try to fight them. They're there to genuinely keep you safe. I so appreciate this in that, you know, this is one thing from a professional standpoint. I was mm-hmm. talking with, there's a group coaching program I run specifically for women that run their own businesses. And we were talking about how important it is in this day and age when we meet somebody who might be a good match for our business to book a time to talk with them right there on the spot, right? Like not to hand them our card and say, oh, call me if you're interested later. But if they really feel like a good match to say, hey, you know, we've all got our phones. How's Tuesday at two o'clock? You want to talk then? Because the odds, you know, once we, once we walk away from the interaction, our odds mm-hmm. of showing up for what we care about, they just diminish naturally. And we're all yeah. busy and we all have legitimate things going on that also need our attention. And so it's this willingness to say, I am here to take action. You said something really great at the top of this, this call, which is, you know, we can't, we can't just think our way out of this. This isn't actually a, just a thinking issue here. It's mm-hmm. not just a mindset issue that this requires action. Right. Change requires action. And so what would be, you know, right, the first actionable step? Um, And I I appreciate, you know, just calling it what it is, (laughs) not sugarcoating it. Right. Like if this speaks to you, then I'm also a believer. I'm going to be a little like, um, I don't know what the word is, spiritual, for lack of a better word here. Mm -hmm. But I'm a believer that the thing we need to hear shows up when we can handle it. Yeah. It shows up when we're ready for it. You know, so if this is showing up, it might be, it might be well-timed. I share that belief, Carly. And from the point of view of working with trauma, trauma only comes to our awareness when we have capacity to handle it. So if this conversation is coming to your awareness, you are actually ready to start looking at it. Whether or not you choose to, that's a different conversation altogether. But in terms of readiness and timeliness, because sometimes I get messages like, like somebody like literally would be sharing about my book and and singing praises and getting in touch with me. And then uh, we would get in the conversation. It's rare, but it does happen. And the person would be like, oh, yes, I do want to be free. Just not now. Now is not a good time. (laughs) 
<laughs> and there it is, right? Like there it is. So here's what I'm, here's what I'm hearing from you and, and tell me if I'm getting this right. But one way of looking at this is, so our, our prison guards, to use your analogy here, there are, there are limiters, right? They're yes. the that are keeping us within our confines of our, of our jail cell. And also some of them are flags. Like they're actually alerting us too. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, many are unconscious. We won't see them, but there's some behaviors that we might actually see that yeah. we might spot, whether yeah. that is to use your physical example of, you know, you're suddenly getting a lot of headaches right before you're about to do something exciting or, or you've been looking throat. forward to. Right. Or it's you're finally on vacation and now your body has, you know, just shuts down and you, mm-hmm. you're in bed for the whole vacation or, or whatever it is. So just like the prison guards, some of them, they can also be our, our red flags. It can mm-hmm. be the thing that's alerting, right? And I'm and I'm hearing you mention a couple times that putting it off till later, yeah, is a possible a, guard, right? It's like, a big oh, I'll one. get to it later. Yeah, I'll get it's to it like, later. It's the same guard that shows up when you have this big proposal, right? This big pitch, or uh, you about to ask for a raise, and and you're gonna have fifty tabs open on the browser. You're gonna want to call the pediatrician and make. Make an appointment yep. for your the child for next get year. Really important. My oh, laundry situation is suddenly so urgent. It's like so I urgent. must. I must do laundry <laughs> right now. Stop working. These socks need to be addressed. You know, and it's and, that, and I've learned to hear that and be like, that's that's preposterous, but it's what still my- there. Right? Uh-huh. One of my clients calls this pro- procrastinate cleaning. I procrastinate clean. <laughs> <laughs> procrastinate clean. I love that. That's great. So here's just kind of like a fun and interesting question, because uh-huh. I'm, I'm really curious about your experience. One of the things that Dr. Valerie shares in this book is so nice is you kind of break that invisible barrier sometimes that as professionals might be appropriate in a medical setting where you're not going to talk about your own stuff. You know, when you're when you're with a client, you're there for them. But you share part of your own story, you mm-hmm. know, as being a high achiever and, and the ways you are noticing PSD showing up in your world, too, which is part of what I can really relate to, because I'm definitely seeing like big lines connecting some of the things that I used to do and still do Mm -hmm. um, PSD. So I'm curious, your book has been many years in the making, right? You have been, you know, working with clients for a long time, but the book itself was just published last year. Yeah. So as a human being that has experienced some level of trauma, because we all have, Mm -hmm. and you are used to navigating the territory of, of PSD, of patriarchy stress disorder, did you have any prison guards show up during the process of writing or publishing your book? And if so, like, what did they look like? What did you do with that? Oh, Carly. Well, not at all. <laughs> every day, literally every day of working on this book, I almost didn't write it. Mm. Every day I was super close to throwing in the towel. Because what would happen? Like, what, what was the way your guards were showing up? Oh, they are so creative. And because they know I'm watching them, they get more creative by the day. And they know exactly how like my mind is wired and they will use Mm -hmm. it because I am into being creative and creating new things. New ideas are really seductive for me. So they would totally throw a bunch of new ideas my way. Like, oh yeah, so PSD work is super important. But what if like, but you also want to create change in the corporate world, right? Right, right. So how about, how about, I mean, the book is still important. We're just going to put it on the back burner for now. We're going to focus on mental health in the corporate sector, right? Because that's your background. You can do so much good. And I would get so 
that that's actually the prison guard that totally worked for me for, for a mm. while. I actually started a website about that. I almost started a podcast. And thankfully, I have a strong community around me who, who know me and can call, call me on the prison guard BS. And also, I do work I, I am so fortunate. My my partner in life is also a trauma healing expert. Who oh, that's so handy. Yeah. Yes, so <laughs> indispensable. Who facilitates this work for me daily? Because remember, it's not a do-it-yourself project. Not even for me. It's like, oh yeah, I I know about open heart surgery, so I can do an open heart surgery on myself. No, uh, right. no of, course not. of course not. And I think, <laughs> thank you for sharing like authentically your experience. It's so relatable. And I love hearing that the way your shows up is that kind of, um, one of my clients calls it the shiny penny syndrome, uh-huh. like a shiny penny syndrome. I'm onto something. And then I see another shiny penny. And, and so yeah. this will be really interesting that this actually might not be an issue of not being focused enough. It might not be an issue of being oh, multi-passionate. Oh that there might gosh. be something else, right? Carly, That's, this is so right. big and this is so prevalent and so normalized, both from, from the medical yeah. standpoint and from the self-help standpoint. From the medical standpoint, we have adult ADD. Oh, great. We have adult ADD. Let's, right. let's take some medication or like just like stick with the label and use it as an excuse. Or uh, multi-passionate, right? That's a nice label. Nothing wrong with being multi-passionate. Passionate, yes. There is nothing wrong with being multi-passionate. As long as it's conscious, right? Like as long as we're conscious. Yeah. We're choosing it consciously, great. Yes. As you know, (laughs) exactly. Like, are you actually making progress? Are you actually living the life that is designed by your desires? Yes or no? Are you moving closer to that? Or is that moving you away from it? That said, it's a simple litmus test. It's just really hard to call yourself out on BS. I would have never been able to call myself out on that. And I'm the mother of PSD, okay? It took some good friends and my partner to like drill it into me day by day. And I was fighting them. And I was like, you don't get it. It's strategy. You don't understand me. And they were like, no, you, you wouldn't even believe how well we get it. <laughs> but you were totally like, wiggling we would out like you of to your write mission. the book so you could yeah. read it, right? Like if you could finish the book so you could read it, that would they be great. They were just nailing me to my, to my path. And, so and... this is so, this is, I, this is delightful. And I'm so glad that we can laugh. I think having some humor about this is really important because human to. beings are funny and the way our mind works, it's hilarious if nothing else, because we can know something intellectually and still feel a different way. And this to me is really unifying and it helps explain why we might know, well, I know I'm worthy of being paid a fair wage, but I'm not actually able to speak up and ask for the raise, right? Mm -hmm. And so something that's unifying there about, you know, I'm not I'm not fragmented that this might be related to that, but you're also speaking to something that I'm just getting very curious about. And, And this podcast has been a part of it, but also I'm watching this evolution in my practice where miraculous things happen when women come together yeah, and support each other and self care is super important. However, one thing I'm noticing is that for somebody who, to use your languaging, like their trauma is up or their nervous system is really frazzled or, They've got a lot on their plate. So for a busy woman or somebody who's really driven, asking them to do self-care can just feel like one more burden. It's like one more request upon their already full schedule. Like they're already cooked to a crisp on every level. Mm -hmm. And then to say like, you need to go meditate or you need to go for more walks or you need to figure out how to do yoga for two hours a day or whatever it is. (laughs) That's like, that's really frustrating and really stressful. 
So I've been really coming back to this concept of, I think there's a place for community care right now. Like, I don't think it's just about self-care. Like, I think especially if we are in our own nervous system, just really wired and really frazzled and really in need of some tenderness and some support that we can't expect to be able to give it to ourselves all the time. And if you can't, it's not because there's something wrong with you. It's because we we need a community to wrap its arms around us sometimes. Mm. Um, So thank you for bringing this conversation to our community here. And I I'd love to ask you just one more really timely question. Mm -hmm. Um, Dr. Valerie and I were talking about this before we started the episode because we are finding ourselves in a place of COVID-19, right? So we're finding ourselves in a place of global reaction and global triggering of trauma response and legitimate stress for a lot of people, right? Like there are legitimately urgent things that need to be tended to right now. And we might not have, you know, the luxury of thinking about it in the way we would like to. We actually need to make some decisions. And so I'm just curious, what are your thoughts around, you know, PSD and, and what's going on globally and, you know, and what, and, and not just PSD, but the trauma response that's happening right now. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for a great and timely question. PSD and other hidden traumas that we have inherited and experienced that live in our system are triggered big time right now at the time when other collective traumas are up and activated. All our ancestors have gone through famines, wars, deprivation, persecution. We have it in our genetic lineage. i Belief without exception. So, all that is really up on top of what's actually going on. That's why we see this extreme response with like hoarding toilet paper and food, where right. there is it's the fight, flight, freeze response taking over. And what I can say that's immediately useful is first of all, recognize that a lot of what you're feeling, a lot of the stress is not even yours. Mm. And recognizing that, you know, just ask ask your system for discernment and release. There are some energetic practices that we teach in our programs. And actually, I've been going uh, on, on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel as well. There's a link at drvalerie.com sharing some of these tools openly as well because they're, they're so needed right now. So... That's one. And the other is recognizing that this level of stress that is driven by trauma, you can't just meditate your way out of it. It's a whole different thing when it's driven by trauma. It's like trying to put ice on top of a boiling pot. Right. So if your usual tools are not working, it's okay. Like breathing and meditation, they may not work right now because this what's needed now is our tools of working with trauma that include discharge, expression, soothing, very specific tool set. Again, we do teach that in the programs and I am putting out more and more of these tools, just trying to make it in the way that is safe, right? And doesn't require the presence of another person, another guide or a community right. so people can practice them. So yeah, check out the YouTube channel. Maybe you'll find something immediately applicable for yourself there. That's great. And we will put a link to that in the show notes too. So it's really easy for people to find that. And I appreciate Mm -hmm. that you're making a a response that you're offering something to us as a community. That's community care right there. 
So before we wrap up, would you be game to do our messy and magnificent two-way Q&A, Dr. Sure, Valerie? Sure, sure. Let's, let's have a little fun here. So I'm curious. I'm going to ask you um, two questions and then give you an opportunity to ask me a question. And then I've got a couple more for you. Sounds good, Emily. Um, so what is one thing that perhaps felt like a mistake at the time, but you're really thankful for now that it happened? Uh. Oh gosh, what hasn't felt like a mistake? <laughs> and then I'm grateful for coming to the U.S. the first time I came as an exchange student. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, it was a rough time for me. I had my first major depressive episode and that really crumbled me down. But I merged with that determination to figure this out and actually make psychology my field So uh, that worked out. Wow. So that challenge really led to the direction that your career has been building upon ever since. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So what is one thing that you're good at that other people might not know? Might not know. I am good at singing Russian folk songs. (laughs) Oh, right. You're the first person (laughs) to have that answer. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) I used to, I used to perform in high school. It was a part of a folk group and that's actually really regulating for the nervous system. There's a lot of rhythmic movement and, and singing. Mm -hmm. So actually highly recommend this as a trauma healing tool. So make that YouTube video. You let us know. I will sing Russian folk music with you any day. I'll see what I can do. (laughs) So what's a question you would like to ask me based on this conversation? What's something that's bubbling up that I could speak to? Okay, what's the uh, one kind of self-care that you know you really should be doing, but it's the hardest for you to do? Oh, that's a great question. You know what? My, My answer is being present with one thing at a time, which Ah. normally is how I am. But I am noticing that with my response to COVID-19, I've been calling it hula hooping. I just want to like jump around from one thing to the next to the next. I want to multitask. I never Mm -hmm. want to multitask. And I do now. Like it's, you know, and so I'm noticing that I'm watching, you know, with some kindness, my prison guard guard is hula hooping. And I'm just kind of watching it like, look at that. I want to hold my phone at the same time I eat at the same time I talk. (laughs) Like, you know, and, and, um, so yeah, that's a great question. So that yeah. one, the, Thank the you. turning to presence. Yeah. Um, and I'm giving myself a little bit of a hall pass as I- Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's always a great strategy to watch everything with a lot of kindness and compassion. Judgment yeah. doesn't really help out no, should, in any help. way. No, it's salt <laughs> on the wound. It's like, I'm already feeling low about it. I don't have to judge myself. <laughs> but recognize that that defense is there for a reason to protect you from overwhelm. And yeah, or from angry. having to think about, you know, the things mm-hmm. that feel too big. Yeah, to process all at once. I think exactly. for me, that's part of it. Oh, well, I'm too busy, you know, to, to do that. So I hope this is helpful to our listeners as well. If you're finding yourself, you know, relying on those coping strategies a little more right now, they're also there to keep you safe. So give yourself a whole pass. I love that. Mm. Okay, so here's my last two questions for you. Where do you go for a dose of inspiration or courage when you need it? What do you listen to or watch oh. or who do you turn to? Oh, I, I follow my guidance and, and it seems to lead me to exactly what I need to uh, tune mm. into. I, I'm big into podcasting and, and, and YouTube and, you know, sometimes on social media, also just things pop up. So I just open up oftentimes. Sometimes I go to tarot cards oh, uh, for guidance yeah. as well. 
Yeah. So I'm, guidance. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, big, when in doubt, having a little guidance. I'm big on guidance. Yeah. And uh, using life as an oracle too. I watch uh, synchronicities and um, mm-hmm. I interpret metaphorically whenever something happens that's out of the ordinary, like, like I banged my finger, like, um, just like, listen to what, what is this saying? Oh my gosh, I'm the same way. And I feel like a nut job, but it's how I feel like, and it works yeah. for me. And, and yeah. we're not alone. A lot of my clients have their own, you know, interesting things. And for anybody listening, I would be so curious to hear what your things are. I have one client who she goes whale watching, you know, and she's like, every time I see a whale, it's just confirmation that I'm taken care of. Like that's my confirmation, right? And that's a very specific one. So I'd be curious if anybody else out there has something that's your your confirmation or your metaphor that you take meaning from. That's beautiful. And lately I've been, yeah, lately I've been um, given a lot of gifts of people sharing about the book. Just want to put it out there for our listeners. If you pick up the book, please share on social. It will make my day uh, because I will probably be feeling low and I will tune into social media. (laughs) I may not be feeling low. I may be feeling in my pleasure and it will add to my pleasure. But that is just so, so good to know that. Uh, patriarchy stress disorder the book is making a difference in somebody else's life right now did you i just for our listeners i just want to point out what dr valerie just did she dared to ask for something she asked for something she saw part of her that knew she wouldn't enjoy something or appreciate it and she dared to ask for it and if that is not the hallmark of somebody who's in their power i don't know what is so thank you for modeling what that would look like what a simple ask and and yet i know for some of us asking for anything at all is talk about a prison guard right like that takes us well outside of our comfort zone to to want to ask so thank you for that so here's my last question Even if other people don't agree, what is one thing that you know to be true? (laughs) That we are whole and authentic and perfect and magnificent, always, right? That that there are fluctuations Mm -hmm. that we go through in life and different traumatic experiences and stuff to figure out. And at the core, we're always whole, authentic, and magnificent, and that's unchanging. And we're just here to have this beautiful, messy, and magnificent experience together. Well, there we have it. AHA doesn't even begin to cover the types of insights that I've been gaining through Dr. Valerie's work. And now I want to know from you. We covered a lot on this episode, and the good thing is it's recorded, so you can go back and listen to it as many times as you want. But if you were to take action today, if you were to make sure that you never forget one thing from this episode, what would you want that to be? I want you to write that down someplace where you are going to see it or put it on social media so that you and I can be in conversation about it, because we got to remember, you thrive through nourishment not punishment. Keep prioritizing what you value, including yourself, and I will see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. 
So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.